0: Welcome to episode two of the Boldcast. I'm your host, Mike Mears, and on this show, I interview experts in the world of health and fitness to answer your toughest questions to help you be active for life. This podcast is brought to you by Recovery Amino from Dose Training Solutions. Recovery Amino is our flagship product, and what it is is a super simple naturally fermented plant-based amino acid supplement you can take it to supplement your daily protein intake or as a pre-workout like i do especially when i have early morning workouts and i need something that digests quickly and then i can hold down it's been a real game changer for me and if you'd like to check it out just head over to our website, www.dose.solutions. You can learn a whole bunch more about it there. And if you use the code BOLD15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off your first order as a listener to this show. So go check it out, guys. Um, we're really proud of it, and we think you're going to like it. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning into the show today. I really appreciate all of you guys checking out the BOLDcast and being part of this conversation uh today um i'm really stoked to bring to you a conversation between me and my current crossfit coach zach seal Uh, zach is the head coach at crossfit v16 in oakland california and he's also on the amazing team over at uh, flagship crossfit who has a couple of locations in san francisco um Zach and I actually met just a few months ago. He recently took over as the head coach at CrossFit V16 where I currently work out. And um, it's been really fun getting to know him and doing his workouts and geeking out with him about movement and technique and all that fun stuff we do in the CrossFit gym. And so I was really stoked when he agreed to be on the show. Um, so in today's show, we chat about all kinds of stuff, um, talk about Zach's background as an athlete, um, playing college sports, um, talk about injury, uh, how he got into training and into instructing CrossFit, and then we dive into um, some of the stuff that I think is really important when it comes to CrossFit and why it's it can be a really helpful workout methodology Um really diving into some of the stuff around basics of movement mechanics and form and technique. Uh, Maybe some of the things that get glossed over sometimes because the, you know, the high intensity tough work is what, what people think is really glamorous about CrossFit or what gets mostly attention. Um, So I had a lot of fun in this conversation and um, yeah, I think uh, you guys should all go check out Zach and what he's doing. And um, with that, Oh, One more thing, I almost forgot. Unfortunately, the end of our conversation got cut off because I'm still a technical novice when it comes to recording these things. So this one ends a little bit abruptly, a little bit shorter than I had hoped, but um, still some great stuff there that I hope you enjoy. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, absolutely, excited. Yeah, me too. Um, So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll go from
1: there. Okay. Uh, so my name's Zach Seal. Um, Oakland, born and raised. Went to high school out here in San Francisco. Went down to college in Southern California. That was my out-of-state experience there. <laughs> Traveling down to the Southern Coast. Uh, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, thought I applied to a couple of schools in the East Coast. Um, I was a little too far away from mom and dad. So yeah, SoCal was just fine. Yeah. Um. Super active in sports and involved in sports from a real young age. Um, once I sort of realized that professional soccer, running, something in fitness wasn't going to be in the cards from a paid athlete perspective. Um, figured I better try to find some other way and that's how I stumbled upon personal training and getting into the fitness industry.
0: Gotcha. For college did you study like exercise science or?
1: No, nope. for college started off as a mechanical engineering major, Okay. went three years deep in there but bottom line was spending more time on the soccer field and in the gym than in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, dropped out of that, transferred over to business economics for the win, but while I was going through all that, I took a summer school um, personal trainer certificate,
0: okay.
1: just out of my own interest, um, wasn't much, but I had a real cool coach, um, and the class was, you know, three hours in school, three hours in the gym, and it was real hands-on from a personal trainer perspective, and really liked that. Impressive didn't do much with it at the time but again was working out a ton in college and sort of amassed this little following of teammates, roommates, old friends and by the time I was like getting ready to graduate you know I got six or seven people hitting me up, hey what time are you going to the gym? And I was like man I should probably eventually be getting paid for some of this stuff so that's uh, sort of where I headed after college. Nice
0: man. Yeah. yeah. And you said in college you were doing
1: Point, soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, yeah, in college, no, uh, freshman year, tried to walk on to the UC Riverside D one soccer team. Okay. Um, it was came down to me and two other transfer juniors. Coach elected to go with one of the big transfer juniors. So I was a little bit disappointed with that. It was a big long weekend. Um, my mom drove down to Southern California with me. They said it was going to be a one day tryout turned into a three-day tryout. My mom's like, oh man, what's going on with this? You know, you got, are you going to make the team? Are you not going to make the team? Uh, anyways, didn't end up making the team. Long story short, played club soccer for a year. And then the next summer, the coach contacted me again and said, hey, do you want to come down for a tryout? Mm-hmm. My mom, fed up at this point, was like, hey, is this a tryout or are you on the team? So, I emailed him back and he said, you know, if you come down here for summer camp, pretty much on the team. Okay. Um, so, played a year, uh, ended up getting cut at the end of that season, so went right back to club ball. Um, and club was more than competitive enough for my likings anyways. Yeah. Um,
0: so with club soccer, I actually didn't, I didn't realize that it continued on after like high school, which Yeah. I guess makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like is that do you see people going to like major league soccer from that or is that kind of like semi-competitive?
1: Yeah so this was actually a school club team and we were you know some schools have the funding for a whole bunch of club programs, Um, some schools don't but soccer seemed to be pretty big down in Southern California so we had already had a club team going for a while as sort of a feeder program for their D1 team and they've always got those club guys on reserve ready to go. Um, They use the club team for scrimmages during the off season and whatnot so it's pretty close hand-in-hand with the D1 program. it's pretty much what time you're putting into it because the club team consisted of uh, D1 guys who have played out their four years of eligibility and are now in graduate school um, D1 guys who have sort of you know messed up on scholarship or were on suspension or something So they could keep their skills up because I mean we're still practicing three four times a week um, and then there were two major club seasons one in the winter one in the summer with sort of tournaments throughout Um, we played a big tournament down in UC Irvine there was a regional competition in Arizona there was another regional competition up at Davis so there's actually a good amount of traveling for the club team and it's just whatever kind of fundraisers you could put together and either make those tournaments or not but the season was a lot of fun Um, oh another tournament down in San Diego State so I mean there are a lot of club teams if you go look in Um, and especially for any school who doesn't have Have a Division One school team like USC doesn't have a Division One soccer team, but they've got a real competitive club team. Um, And UCLA has a really good Division One soccer team. And buy an extension to really good club teams. Um, Same with you know Santa Barbara, UC Irvine. So I mean, there's a lot of big schools with big club teams as well. Um, Yeah. So it was it was more than competitive enough. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay. So from there, you transitioned to CrossFit, or like tell me about that, like how you got into this fitness.
1: Yeah. So you know, graduated graduated college with my business economics degree. Not really sure what I was doing with that. Applied to a bunch of le- entry-level accounting jobs. Um, nothing was really panning out. So fell back on that personal trainer certificate and got into a gym with uh, um, a guy who used to work with my dad in the police academy. Um, started doing some personal training. Now at the time, you know I've just graduated college, so I've got more than enough soccer connections, and I'm playing competitive men's soccer here in San Francisco for the Premier League here, um, and then a league called the NPSL, which is sort of, I guess, right under the MLS. Um, so again, it's comprised of a bunch of ex-college guys or older guys who are still just playing at a pretty pretty high level. Um, so I'm playing on the weekends, practicing on the weeks, personal training all day, um, and through one of my boot camp instructors, who's actually a coach that I work with now, he sort of came in one morning and I was working underneath him, uh, shadowing some boot camp classes, and he started talking to me about CrossFit, came in actually doing double unders with a jump rope, and he's sort of a bigger, heavy set weightlifter guy, and I grabbed his jump rope and tried to do these double unders, and couldn't for the life. For me, and that pissed me off. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I went home, googled CrossFit, got certified like a month later. Right. Yeah, right. you know, yeah, that was a, uh, it was a thousand dollars. Asked the parents for a quick loan there to get that done because um, saw that as they were preaching CrossFit as the sport of fitness. Okay, and I was like, you know, I'm pretty fit. I've been working out all of college. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Two, three hours in the gym. Uh, my college coach had a ropes course set up in, at one of the tracks. I'm still playing soccer. I'm fit. You know, let me go try this CrossFit stuff. Um, little did I know that I had no real experience weightlifting, thinking about powerlifting and Olympic lifting. Um, college soccer, we had done some really entry-level, uh, empty barbell kind of movements, but it was more so just core work, conditioning for the season. Awesome. Um, but, you know, watching YouTube videos, watching workouts, following the CrossFit.com blog, instantly start putting CrossFit workouts in with my personal training clients and seeing what it's going to take to Get myself into a CrossFit gym. Oh, look at that! You know, it's a two hundred dollar membership, monthly membership for a CrossFit gym. I better get certified so I can be a coach and (laughs) work my way into a gym that way. Um, Yeah, and that's sort of how that one went. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, So, like, that actually is something. I mean, that that membership fee is real. Tell me about Um, it. And so, like, for like, how did that process work for you? Of like, okay, you because you were personal training before, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. so like. Uh, I guess backing up actually, you said like before doing CrossFit, you hadn't done a lot of weightlifting stuff, at least in yeah, soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Like in personal training, like how would you describe what you did there?
1: So in personal training, uh, the guy, the original coach that I was working under um, at a small gym over in Emeryville, was an old bodybuilder. Okay. Did a couple of, I think one Mr. Olympia, did pretty good in a couple of local meets. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he had some experience deadlifting, squatting, and benching. Okay. So you was thinking like classical powerlifting, yeah. um, but he. Know a whole lot more about you know bicep curls and tricep extensions than squats, deadlifts, and um, the powerlifting background. Uh, so CrossFit Level One, you know, has those movements in there, touches a little bit on Olympic lifting. Um, but the whole thing with CrossFit is you know they're trying to make you sort of be b plus students in everything and not really specialize in any one of these sports disciplines that have been around for a really long time. You know, powerlifting deadlifting benching and squatting is its own sport all by itself people do that all their life Olympic lifting snatching and uh, clean and jerking it's its own sport people do that all their life uh, real entry-level gymnastics stuff people do that all their life cardio is in rowing running uh, jump and rope people specialize again in those sports and is just like hey you know we're trying to be good at all that and throw it package it, package it into this great workout um, so, I knew that I needed to get into a CrossFit gym where I could get in with hopefully a couple of other coaches who are a little more specialized. Now, first CrossFit gym that I ended up working in, uh, CrossFit East Bay over downtown Oakland. Um, the coach there, again, big time power lifter. So, I learned a lot about deadlifting, back squatting, bench pressing. Um, and I'm sort of on my own watching videos in terms of Olympic lifting. Saw uh, one of the guys that I worked out with there who was really big into Olympic lifting. He had another Olympic lifting coach. His coach was doing a weekend seminar, so I signed up for that and went and got my first taste of what it meant to just snatch, clean, and jerk and work on those lifts. Um, and from that point, it was, man, I've got, a, I've got a lot to learn about weightlifting on the whole. Um, just aside from where I was coming from, hey, I can do a ton of pull-ups, ton of burpees, I can run my ass off. Box jumps, push-ups, you know, whatever,
0: which are really important skills. I think a lot of times can glossed over. Yeah, because like, oh, I want to do the Olympic lifts. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the foundation.
1: But but that is yeah exactly. That is a sport all by itself. And again, in a in a regular CrossFit program, you're going to do that stuff a couple of times a week. But there are guys who are doing that stuff five six days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew that I just needed a lot more um, sort of specialization within those uh, within those other disciplines. Awesome. yeah um, but all the while you know as much exposure to CrossFit on the whole and the, f- uh, the foundational principles you know um, high intensity functional movements that are constantly varied so yes specialization from a coaching standpoint so I can have some feedback for athletes but no not specialization because you want to be pretty well-rounded all that stuff got to practice it all on a pretty even basis
0: yeah so how yeah. do you, like, with your own training, I guess, how do you cultivate that? Like, what's sort
1: your... Of- yeah, so now, again, in my own training, knowing that I'm fairly cardio fit, I've left running in the past, and that okay. sort of went uh, with soccer. Um, I had had a big-time running background in high school. Okay. Um, big-time cross-country runner, had actually gotten a couple of scholarship offers to go to college running cross-country. Um, when I ended up going and visiting those campuses and hanging out with the cross-country guys, uh, I saw that that was a whole running lifestyle that I wasn't really feeling at the time. You know, I was going to have to carry a certain body weight, I was really going to have to look a certain way, um, and you were going to have to run Two, three times a day, all year long, and that was sort of what had led me to an injury in high school. Um, as sort of this skinny, good runner, um, but not really focusing much on running form and technique. Just hey, you've got a pretty good running, you've got a pretty good cardio base. Uh, we can take that and apply it. Uh, but through sort of my own technique in running, which was this hyperextended lower back and pounding the concrete streets of San Francisco all summer long uh, with the cross-country team I picked up this little bit of a compound disc in my lower back uh, and it got so bad to a point where you know junior year in high school I couldn't really sit down in a desk for much more than 15, 20 minutes at a time before I got to stand up and walk around the class and bend my back a couple of times and loosen up the hips. And uh, yeah, I went and saw a sports doctor for a while there. I'm still on the, you know, the Good Parents Health Insurance. So I go and see this guy who says, hey, yeah, you basically, you know, through this hyperextended lower back, uh, your vertebrae are pressing down on your discs and your lower back. uh, And I was seeing this guy who was going and adjusting me basically on a heating pad for about 10-15 minutes to warm up the area in my lower back and then twisting me and laying on me and cracking my back a couple of good times that was yeah pretty painful take a couple Motrin swelling goes down and in a day I feel pretty good way better than I felt but then you go train for a week and it comes right back and again it's that repetitive movement doing the same thing over and over again Seeing a you know pain meds are only going to go so far. Seeing a guy and getting adjusted are only going to go so far before you need to adjust the actual or you need to um, address the actual movement patterns that are going on that are wrong, that keep on injuring the body. And in high school, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like sports, gotta play sports. Sports, gotta play sports. Yeah. Same thing in college. You know, uh, I ended up not running my senior year in high school, focusing on soccer. I really wanted my back to feel good in soccer because yeah, um, an hour and a half on the soccer field or two-hour practice in soccer yeah the lower back was flaring up and it was really hurting um, at that time you know back in the early 2000s we're not talking a lot about stretching we're not talking about foam rolling we're not talking about uh, active recovery after practice it's just sort of run around for two hours and then you know mom and dad driving home and my hamstrings cramping up in the car and you're not really thinking about all that stuff that goes into recovering afterwards yeah It wasn't until after college uh, that the lower back issues were still there that I found CrossFit and CrossFit sort of talks about these usable ranges of motion with these functional fitness moves that really focus on bracing at the core and the midline, um, creating stabilization in the hips and in the lower back uh, and moving well from that standpoint before you go and move out to the extremities. And running is just, hey, you sort of swing your legs and it's just controlled falling and you go. Yeah. Um, you could have lopsided feet, lopsided hips, um, an awkward torso, and that repetitive motion, you know, people pick up these little you know, stress fractures in their shin, these little mm-hmm. uh, shin splints, these little bone spurs are in the heels and in their arches of their feet. And yes, something's going wrong in the movement, bottom line, that's where these injuries come from.
0: Yeah. Um, and that doesn't even get talked about when you're like, because like in high school I played like volleyball and and football Mm -hmm. so like in those applications like and I played soccer like before that Mm -hmm. you just like it's like you never talked about running it was just all about technique around whatever the sport was yeah Yeah. but even in like running sports like cross-country track and field yeah you're not necessarily, in your experience at least, they weren't talking to you about, here's your here's four and what you should mm-hmm. be looking at. It's mm-hmm. just like, okay, we've got like an hour or two of your practice, yeah. uh, you need to work on your endurance, go run.
1: Yep, time to run some drills, time to do some intervals, It's time Still to bad. kick a ball a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are not looking at the, what movement pattern should look like. Mm. That doesn't come until later on in your sports career when you go see a running specialist or a foot doctor who actually analyzes your gait and where you're putting pressure on your knees, where you're putting pressure on your ankles, how extended or not extended you are on your spine when you're running. Um, That is so after the fact. They're not addressing that fundamental movement pattern and that's probably one of the most beneficial things that CrossFit has brought about for me
0: is addressing that movement
1: pattern? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a right and a wrong way to sit in stands. There's a right and a wrong way to sleep at night. Uh, there's a right and a wrong way to drive a car, sit in a chair, um, put stuff up and overhead, pick stuff up and off the ground. I mean, CrossFit on TV looks like this crazy sport where guys are Ripping their shirts off and yelling and throwing barbells around, but if you break it back down to the fundamentals, they are sitting and standing. They're picking stuff up and off the ground. They're putting stuff up and over your head. Stuff that human beings are meant to do from a real, real foundational standpoint. Yeah. Um, and there's a right and wrong way to do that stuff. Some of it is going to get you injured if you're doing it wrong, but if you're doing it right, you can avoid that injury. And you know the possibilities are endless, as the CrossFit Games and stuff shows from those athletes. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I guess. I guess that's interesting I think that's pretty interesting because so most people get into CrossFit mm-hmm. I think because of either what they see in you know regionals which yeah. is going on right now yeah. or games or they see that person who's really fit and like yeah. do the lifting and that's the stuff that's the cool stuff right yeah. that's why yeah. a lot of us get into it mm-hmm. um, but I think what you're saying about like really this the fundamentals this is key Yeah. like as now I mean I know we're like jumping around a bit but mm-hmm. as like a coach like how do you like address that? How do you get people to focus on, because if you go and you try to like, we've had this conversation before yeah. actually, or if you try to RX a workout, but you're not ready for it. Absolutely. Like you will get hurt or like in the worst case, or kind of in the, or you'll just not have progress because you're trying to use RX weight, but then you yeah. can't get the medical conditioning, you yeah. can't get the movement patterns down. Yeah. What do you do to like, or what did you do maybe to like get yeah. past that?
1: So that was, uh, And that goes on a, you know, CrossFit gym by CrossFit gym kind of basis is you really do sort of have to do your homework on your coaches Um, because again, early on in the game, the first couple of CrossFit gyms that I went to, CrossFit is still very young. It's all about this high intensity training trying to lift as much as possible, trying to move as fast as much as possible. Intensity, you can scale that up or down in two ways. Intensity, either way you're trying to perform more work. That's the whole idea with CrossFit. Uh, You can perform more work by lifting more weight. You can perform more work by moving faster and performing the reps faster. The problem with that intensity is as you move more weight you may or may not be ready for that weight so quality of movement is going to go down and if you move faster again chances are you're working some things that you may not be ready for but you're just worried about moving fast all of a sudden quality of movement goes out the window and goes down Um, and that's probably one of the most beneficial things about the gym that I'm at right now you know flagship CrossFit is that we preach quality of movement first Um, consistency with that quality of movement second because as you know in CrossFit you're not doing one in two reps you're doing one in two hundred reps and you really need reps one two and three when you're fresh to look like reps 98, 99 and 100 Um, and once you've taken care of that quality of movement you're moving well once you feel comfortable moving well over and over again then you play around with intensity then you move more weight, then you start to move faster once you know that those movements are quote unquote easy for you. Not just because you're feeling physically fit for it. (laughs) Honestly from a class standpoint and I've taught group group boot camp classes, I've taught TRX classes, I've taught some high-intensity interval training classes, um, and I've taught CrossFit classes CrossFit classes are the only place where you go and you put an emphasis on the quality of movement. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're gonna go to any boot camp, any class you go to, you're gonna get a good workout. Mm -hmm. You're gonna sweat, that's more so about the effort that you're gonna put in there. Mm Uh, you can go to a spin class and kill yourself in the first 5 minutes or you can dog it and last the whole hour. Mm-hmm. Same in boot camp, same in cardio kickboxing, you can crush yourself in 5-10 minutes with intensity um, or you can dog it and make the whole hour. Either way, the effort level that you put into the class is what you're going to get out of the class. You're going to get a good workout. Same thing in CrossFit, except you get the opportunity to sort of worry about your movement patterns. Yeah. Am I squatting my hips down to my knees? Am I able to keep my feet flat while I'm squatting? When I'm lunging, am I taking my knee all the way down to the ground? Am I paying attention to keeping my torso nice and upright while I'm working? Working in pull-ups or in TRX it was always uh, ring rows. rows. Um, am I getting my chest all the way up to my hands, taking my shoulder through a full range of motion? Am I just sort of pumping and grinding and going through the motion of doing the movement, thinking the more I do, the fitter I'm going to get? Am I paying attention to, hey, when I press the dumbbell up and over my head, is my shoulder getting the lockout? Is my bicep getting all the way back and behind my ear? Can I keep my shoulder in an externally rotated position versus just sort of throwing stuff over my head, trying to do as much as I can. Um, and that's where, you know, this gym that I'm at right now, flagship CrossFit, has really put an emphasis, hey. CrossFit is really nothing without those standards. Mm -hmm. CrossFit, you know, they, CrossFit is this mode of fitness, but it's also this sport. And in a sport, you need standards. Um, There's gotta be a way to judge one athlete versus another. So you get judges watching you while you're working out, hey, do your hips cross all the way down below your knees. Do your elbows and wrists and shoulders all stack on top of each other when you're doing an overhead press? Uh, Does your chin get all the way up and above the bar when you do a pull up? And that's not something that you're going to get at you know, the comparable, you know, Barry's Bootcamp, Orange Theory, um, whatever local bootcamp, Fit Body Bootcamp class you may take. Uh, They're not concerned with what your movement looks like. They're just concerned with you getting sweaty and that kind of stuff. Um, At CrossFit, you should have a coach who's watching you. Hey, really lock those elbows out, Mike. Hey, let's try to take those hips all the way down, uh, down below the knees. Hey, on that push-up, just really make sure we get our chest all the way down to the ground and lock the elbows out. And it's through those standards that you can sort of see: Are you progressing from a movement standpoint? The fitness, that all that all comes later. The intensity, that all that all comes later. Um, that's really just consistency over the long haul. You know, I've been uh, people ask about my results and you know how I've stayed fit. Well, let's see. You know, I started playing competitive sports all the way back as early as like middle school.
0: Yeah.
1: Been playing soccer all the way throughout high school. Played competitive soccer all the way throughout college, continued playing competitive soccer um, after college. There haven't been too many off months in my life where I haven't been cardio fit. Mm-hmm. Strength and conditioning, that's been a whole other ballpark, that's something I'm still working on to this day. Uh, but people come in here and they you know, they want the fast results, everybody wants that quick and fast answer. Yeah. And you hear it over and over again, there is no fast and easy fix, it really is just consistency. How long? Well you're gonna feel some results in a month, you're gonna feel some results in six months, you're gonna feel some results in a couple of years, and that's just sort of what it takes. Um, but in terms of longevity, are you going to be able to work out for the next two years? Quality of movement is going to make a big difference. And are you, going to, are you going to avoid that injury over the course of those first couple of months when you're just getting back into the gym? You're probably not if you're going to go crush yourself in some uh, boot camp and do a bunch of not so great push-ups that sort of hurt your elbow, hurt your shoulder. Yeah. Run with a running club where you're not stretching afterwards and you pick up this little stretch fracture in your knee or the lower back starts hurting Um, if you're not worried about that quality of movement in terms of a longevity standpoint you pick up an injury you stop doing what you're doing and then you're back to square one and that's sort of unfortunately what a lot of people modern day athletes experience way too often yeah Yeah.
0: like so for me when it came to like I played I played sports in high school Mm -hmm. and then I got to college and kind of like stopped, like it wasn't on a sports team. Um, that wasn't the route I wanted to go, yeah. And then, uh, with that, like all my habits around the fitness went out the window, yeah. And so I found myself in my mid 20s, like, holy shit, I've been relying on my good genes to keep me from being sick. And I thought I was fit, but I'm not fit at all right now, like, yeah. 60 pounds overweight, this is ridiculous.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that happens to a lot of people, yeah. And so, um, and so you want to get back to you still see yourself as capable, mm-hmm. and so you want to get back to where you had good conditioning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you, um, where you had good strength, but you've because you've neglected it, and also because you've you know. Been living a typical American life is sitting behind a computer at a desk or sitting in a car, yeah. driving a lot, you have horrible mobility, like yeah. it's yeah. all fucked. Yeah. Um, and so the thing about focusing on mobility is first that's a new idea for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've never thought of that. And also from what I understand with mobility, you're not gonna necessarily see those quick changes in mm-hmm. your physique. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of the unsexy stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas we all know that if you lift weights and you do some type of Metabolic conditioning—that's going to have the results, a result, and you're yeah. going to see something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. how do you like? How do you address
1: that? How do you address that? Uh, that is a tough one because, yeah, again, you do need to keep that motivation. That you know, uh, that mental side has to be there. In terms of getting started, though, it should start off with that quality of movement. So, you sort of have to invest there in your first month and start off with a personal trainer. The only r- real way to do that is to work with someone one-on-one who's gonna look at you mm-hmm. um, and sort of tailor those first couple of workouts whether it's your first couple weeks whether it's your first month so figuring a month you're working out you know three, four, four, five times a day those first fifteen to twenty sessions there are really really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say with a personal trainer just so that they can make tweaks to whatever these functional movements that uh, that you're trying to perform. Mm-hmm. Squatting, deadlifting and pressing should be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, a personal trainer is going to be able to either have you squat down to a box if your body's not quite ready to squat mm-hmm. on its own. Because um, again, functional movements are way more difficult than people give them credit for. Yeah. A personal trainer is going <clears> to <throat> get you to deadlift off blocks if you're not Uh, healthy enough from a loose hamstrings, loose lower back standpoint to actually bend over maintaining a neutral spine Mm -hmm. and pull weight up and off the ground. So that stuff can be dangerous. Um, A personal trainer is going to have you scale down to a dumbbell from a barbell if you're pressing up and overhead to create stability in your shoulder and make sure you can work a full range of motion because, yeah, that's probably one of the saddest things that a lot of people come in here fresh out of college um, and I say, all right, you guys, we're going to go ahead and do some press we're gonna use this PVC pipe it weighs an ounce yeah um, yeah right let's go ahead and push that guy straight up and over your head <sighs> all right you guys let's go ahead and press that guy straight up and overhead and people are like is this not straight up and overhead and I come around and I make the adjustment I pull people's arms all the way back to straight up and overhead and they're like oh my shoulder oh my back and it's like man yeah we've we've got some work to do in terms of the posture and again that's not you know the end-all be-all right there there are easy ways to address that Um, but not if you're sort of thrown into a group class and then you're Work in that partial range of motion, and you don't have those eyes on you, and you sort of fight for that full range of motion that your body's going to give you. Your body's this amazing machine, and that was uh, me when I first started. You know, I'm great upper body. I've always done pull-ups and rope climbs and handstands and upper body. The shoulders have felt great, but the majority of my sport has been soccer and running down low. So while my legs are strong, I have zero mobility in my hips, and I. kind Coming to CrossFit day one, and they're like, "Let's go ahead and see you squat." And I'm watching other people squat, and I'm like, "Man, I really don't think I can do that." Uh, and going back and looking at some early so videos,
0: like getting to depth, they're like.
1: Being able to keep your feet flat, being able to keep your spine neutral, being able to be in control of your legs and drive your knees out and create this external rotation at the hips, meaning your posterior chain is engaged the whole time and you're bracing on these big posterior chain muscles where the pressure should be. I'm a soccer player and a runner, everything that I do is forward-loaded, I'm all over my toes, I'm totally anterior chain, front of my body dominant. Squatting was pretty ugly for me my first year of CrossFit, and had I had a coach to be like, Zach, you should not be going for that 300-pound squat. We should be worried about squatting to depth, keeping your feet flat, keeping your knees out, keeping your torso upright. Because, hey, you know, all those years of playing soccer and rolling ankles, your ankles are really tight and you lack the dorsiflexion to be able to get your knees far forward over your toes. Hey, your lower back is super tight from all your years of running and that little bulging disc in your lower back that you had right there. Um, My hips actually shift down at the bottom of my squat because over the years I'm sure driving, sitting at a desk, I'm always favoring one little side and sitting on one cheek as opposed to the other yeah and it took uh, coming to this gym when one coach was like hey do you notice that only your right ankle buckles every time you squat and I was like absolutely not
0: what do you mean like, like a bad
1: so yeah so as I squat or as you squat your feet should be able to stay parallel to each other with your toes pointed straight forward yes when you drive your knees out, it creates this external rotation. It gets you high up and off your arches and puts pressure onto the outsides of your feet. is still in the middle of your foot. It's not in the toes. It's not in the heel. should be evenly distributed in the middle of your foot. But my ankles are so tight on my right side, uh, that ankle has been rolled countless times. I'm sure there's a ton of built-up scar tissue in there. But as I squat, my left ankle is fine. My foot stays nice and flat, but my right heel twists in as I hit bottom, oh, really? yeah, the bottom of my squat. Um, minor so, detail, yeah. but as that ankle buckles, you better believe that knee buckles, and that side of my hip sort of shifts in as I hit the bottom of my squat, and the whole kinetic chain right up that right-hand side is taking a lot more weight than the left-hand side is, um, and it's those little things that hopefully a one-on-one coach is going to be able to address for you um, and be able to help problem-shoot those things as you dive. Into lifting heavy weights, yeah. lifting heavy weights fast, and trying to do that day in and day out in a CrossFit gym. Yeah. 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 Can we actually
0: dive into like maybe the, some of the details of what you mm-hmm. did to work on hip and ankle? Because I think mm-hmm. squatting, first off, squatting is, I think, a CrossFit, like almost everything we do is squatting in some Tongue way, head. like yeah. doing a burpee, there's some type of squat in that movement, yeah. box jumping, mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing extra squat, you're doing like lifts, mm-hmm. wall ball. Yeah. So like, what? A, um, maybe we could start with like, what are maybe some common things that you see mm-hmm. or misunderstandings you see out there? Okay. Um, and then maybe some of what you've done to like yeah, improve that for yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, so for myself, yeah, squatting's been tough. Um, but what you look for is that initial movement pattern. Uh, a real good example is babies, one and two year olds who've just learned to walk. Yeah. So little kids, when they're walking around, just sort of figuring out their balance, and squatting, don't get it wrong, squatting is in our DNA. It is in a human's natural ability to be able to sit their hips down in between their feet, with their knees out wide, with their torso nice and upright. And if you ever watch a little kid walking around, and again, little kids who have just learned to walk, just figuring that stuff out, like in diapers, still sort of stumbling around, walking around with a lollipop or something, and they drop that lollipop, they don't take the easy way out, because they're so focused on staying upright, right? Everything about them is, man, I'm trying to get up. Um, And they see that lollipop fall, yeah. And they just, I mean, their hips just plop right down to their heels, their knees splay out wide. Um, But that makes sense, right? Because little kids are like little Gumby kids anyways, they got totally supple, loose joints. Yeah, you can swing them around, you shouldn't swing them around, but you can swing them (laughs) around all over the place. They can do stuff like the front and side splits. They have 100% use of all their range of motion across all their joints. Yeah, that's going to change over the years and based on what sports you played, those repetitive movements are going to change your body. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, people are going to look a little bit different anyway. Some people are going to have a little bit longer legs, some people are going to have a little bit longer torso. But bottom line, those foundational principles are there. The feet are forward, the feet are flat. Mm -hmm. The knees are out some distance. the torso is able to stay nice and upright, the spine is able to stay neutral. Neutral being, you got a little curve at your upper thoracic spine, you got a little curve at your lower lumbar, that's fine you know, Um, but whatever that looks like when you're standing upright, that's what it should look like when you're squatting too. And over the course of your life you know you get lazy you sit down all your life we say you know one of the uh, we talk about here one of the necessary evils in this world are chairs chairs are everywhere um, you got to use them you don't have to use them but I mean bottom line you're gonna be sitting down in chairs for some point um, and that a kills the ability for you to Control your body down into a squat because you basically just sort of flop down into these chairs. Yeah. Um, So we forget about how to squat, and that was my main issue. Was sure I'm fine sitting down some distance, like I could control down to like a dining room table chair or an office chair or something like that. But the second you put a barbell on my back and try to get me to squat my hips all the way down below my knees, there reaches a point where my body doesn't know what it's doing anymore, and that's where I get all wobbly, and the knees start buckling, and the ankles start buckling, and it's developing that. Motor control from a fundamental standpoint and that's where you know one of CrossFit's nine foundational movements is the air squat and it's totally looked past because people are just like dude I'm just gonna bend my knees and sit down and get up and down and boot camps camps are gonna use air squats Uh, every uh, high intensity interval training class out there is gonna use some type of a a jumping squat or a lunging squat or uh, lunging right just one-legged squats those are important movements and if you're just doing a million of them as fast as you can not paying attention to what they should look like everybody's got their own issues some people are a little bit you know duck-footed and pigeon-toed some people are a little bit rounded in the upper thoracic Um, some people flat out don't have the motor control to get their hips down below their knees Um, so creating some type of guideline for hey look this is what a squat should look like every single time gotta be able to keep your feet flat gotta be able to keep knees out got to be able to keep pressure on the outsides of your feet got to be able to keep your torso upright you start with that and then you build on that Um, and there are a million different weight implements to start making that squat harder once you have that air squat in there. Once you have that air squat, just you sitting and standing, you know, in other uh, second and third world countries where the, you know, they call it the third world squat where you're just sitting down, having a conversation, gambling, eating, doing your regular business down and that's why it's no big deal for uh, people where where they're squatting like that all of their lives because they've been doing it just like that all of their lives and I have friends right now who you know uh, one guy uh, one of my best friends you know he's a catcher in high school so he was always down in some type of a squat Um, he was very forward loaded onto his toes when he first started but bottom line his hips are real loose his knees are real wide open he can keep his torso nice and upright when he's down in that uh, hunched or down in that squatted position so squatting came much easier for him uh, once he started CrossFit right. Bottom line, the movement patterns over the years, if you haven't done it that much, you need to sort of retrain the body, you need to connect uh, your mind back down to those hips and turn on those muscles down there that you've been sitting on and neglecting all your life, um, and develop just the just that foundational pattern again. Every time I sit down, I'm going to think about pushing my hips back a little bit, loading on my posterior chin, again, stuff that they talk about in CrossFit Level One cert. You start a squat with a hinge to get weight on your heels to activate the posterior chain. From there, you're gonna think about creating this notion of external rotation, driving the knees out. The muscle process that gets those knees to drive out is you squeeze in some part of your butt. Again, big posterior chain muscles that should be active the whole way down and up out of your squat. Once you can drive those knees out then in terms of squat depth we look at the lower back because you're gonna be able to look you're gonna be able to keep your spine neutral some distance down into your squat but then at some point tight ankles, tight groin, tight knees are gonna make you lose balance in your squat and what's gonna compensate? Probably that back because you're trying to keep your torso upright so you're either gonna end up hinging or rounding at some point still trying to fight for that full range of motion and that's where again you need a coach to sort of tell you what your usable range of motion is. If that's only six inches down for your first month, well cool, you've maintained a neutral spine, you've kept your feet flat, you've moved your knees out, um, and you have squatted through a safe range of motion for those initial squats that you did. Yeah. For me, I didn't know that I was working with this little thing called a a butt wink, a hip tuck down at the bottom of my squat, because your body's an amazing machine. You tell your body to do something, it's going to do its damnedest to get you you where you want to be. But just because you are going through some range of motion doesn't mean you're doing it the right way. Um, And I was sitting down to a point, and then at that certain point, my ankles got real tight. Uh, I kept on squatting down, but in order to keep my feet flat and to keep myself balanced, my hips shifted. shifted under my lower back um, and my lower back was now rounded down at the bottom of my squat. And you don't want any kind of rounding in the back. Once you've got weight on that back, once your spine is compressing down on the discs, you don't want any kind of shift. And that's why we say you got to squat with a neutral spine the whole way. That's why you got to um, start off with that air squat, unweighted, before you add weights to it. Uh, but again, it's all about working with the coach who's going to look at you as an individual and look at your, you know, movement deficiencies and inefficiencies and shortened ranges of motion to sort of let you know what you should be doing to work through a safe range of motion while you're weight. Left hand. yeah and
0: so a lot of people like, skip that or they can't afford that yeah and so like and it, and so you go to a prospect class mm-hmm. and like I guess if you're starting off like should people so what happens when you're in a class and then back squat skip program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you still don't have that that emotionally like how and I guess even for you as a coach like mm-hmm. when you're programming that how do you want to encourage your your um, like your students, your athletes, yeah. to approach that movement if they're still working on that range of motion.
1: Yeah, so that's sort of in the... Is there a hierarchy, I guess? Yeah, no, that's a no, good question. That's in the movement prep and the warm-up before we get to those squats. Okay. So again, that's on your coach to explain those standards that we have in CrossFit and to uphold those standards. We're going to warm up as a class with no barbells, probably with just PVC pipes. Excuse me. And we're going to go through the movement and you're gonna tell athletes to look at what's going on. Now some athletes are still just, I mean, people got their own thing. Some people are actually paying attention to their bodies. Some people are paying attention to what other people are looking at. Some people are just paying attention to how their body feels and they can't even look down at what's actually going on from a movement standpoint. Everybody's got their own thing. Um, But we're gonna try to go over the standards right there at the beginning of the class. Hey you guys, we're gonna go ahead and do some air squats here's the things that need to happen feet need to stay flat, toes need to stay straight forward, torso needs to stay upright, knees need to stay out you need to do a couple of reps unweighted Because yeah, bad things can go on unweighted, but at least you're unweighted. You're not going to tear your ACL, you're not going to rupture a disc in your lower back. You're unweighted. No big deal. Um, While that's going on, you're telling people to do reps, you're going around hopefully pointing out to some people, hey, you know, Greg, keep your feet nice and flat. Hey, you know, Lisa, you're hunching over every time you squat. And again, you're telling people these things. Some people are hearing it. Other people are just worried about getting the work done, doing work. So after you've at least explained the movement and given people an idea of what they should be shooting for, again it's a class, you gotta let people go do their own thing then it's on a good coach to be walking around while those squats are going on in class because uh, again some people heard you and you say hey you know Greg good job keeping those heels on the ground hey Lisa much better job of keeping your torso upright the good students are gonna come up and you know Lisa's gonna say hey coach you know I can't keep my torso upright what should I do I'm gonna be like alright Lisa let's go ahead and take a look at your squat and that's when you get that one-on-one 30 seconds a minute to sort of give them alright Lisa you know unfortunately for today I can't have you squatting down all the way. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to squat down on this box. You're going to sit down on this box. You're going to make sure your torso is nice and upright. You're going to try to come off that, up off that box, keeping your torso nice and upright the whole time. That's what you're working on for today. But then you got to move on from Lisa. you got 15 other people in class. Lisa's either going to do that or she's not. And that's just sort of how it goes for that day. Um, That's where you would say, hey Lisa, you know, we could probably address this problem with maybe a couple of personal training sessions and Lisa's either going to put that time and put that investment into herself or you know what, she's getting a good workout in class, she's doing what she thinks she needs to do, that's that. Um, But you're walking around while people are doing these squats, yeah, you're giving cues, hopefully you're making good corrections, Uh, but then it is on the individual athlete to stick to that like their rule book or Ah, forget coach, it doesn't hurt right now, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, I think I'm doing fine. And that's just sort of how it goes in class. If you've got a personal training client, I'm not going to let them do anything other than what I'm telling them to, that's just how it goes, that's why they're paying me for my one-on-one time. They're making that investment, I'm not going to let them move improperly. But in class, class is class, I'm working on class, I'm trying to keep class going, I'm trying to keep 15 people safe, not just one person safe. Um, You sort of just got to do the best you can right there, Um, and that's what really is on you as an individual to be smart Man, you know coach said I really shouldn't push this weight up and overhead, but that felt too easy But I'm doing it wrong, but that felt too easy. It's not about doing it easy It's about that again that quality of movement first, and if that really sinks in with people then You know you've done their job if it doesn't Ah, eventually they're going to pick up that, Hey, coach, you know, my shoulder's really been hurting. I'm like, yeah, Greg, that's because every time you press, uh, your shoulder shrinks into internal rotation and you lose position when you go overhead. But coach, I can press, you know, 300 pounds overhead. And that's great, Greg, but it's within proper form and that's why your shoulder's hurting. Ah, and Greg's either going to listen to that or is not. He's either going to address that movement inefficiency or... He's gonna get injured, and that's that's just sort of how that one goes. Sort of it's...
0: Do you think that's part of why, like something I've noticed with like the CrossFit Games is that the uh, the movement standards seem to be stricter this year than I've mm-hmm. noticed them in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, maybe I'm just maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. But it seems like like i noticed like yesterday they had games athletes doing ring dips and mm-hmm. there was like a strap on the mm-hmm. ring dip mm-hmm. that your back had to touch
1: absolutely so you had to
0: lock out and touch that strap absolutely uh, is like i mean obviously part of like that's a competition for real athletes mm-hmm. who so it's a standard of scoring but like as a coach do you look at that type of stuff and like then apply back to like yeah movement standards with like okay great you can push 300 pounds overhead but out here, yeah. you need to be back
1: here, yeah. and you know, yeah. um, all of yeah, all of that stuff does start to matter from a competition standpoint. It's definitely trying to have a standard so these athletes can go out there and blast out a million ring dips. Um, and have everyone looking pretty much the same. So there is this standard that they're judging on for the competition standpoint. That does have a little bit to do with the whole idea of a functional fitness move and what it should look like. Um, Not quite so as much. In terms of the ring dip, that's a good example. Um, Because yeah, we're gonna work weighted ring dips in class. We're gonna work uh, weighted strict dips in class. Um, But again, we're gonna start off probably with an even simpler movement, the push-up. perform the push-up properly. Cool. Okay, let's go ahead and try to work your whole body weight with a dip now. Can we perform, A, can we lock our elbows out and sit on top of the rings and experience some kind of stability up there? B, can I get down to the end range motion of a dip and experience some kind of stability there? Cool, if I can get those two things then we can work on some type of strength and pressing power in between. That strength in between, you know, what gets you up and down out of your dip? That's what you're here to work on. That's the strength that you're, you know, in a CrossFit class to build on. But can we uphold the standard? Can we lock out the elbows with our chest upright, with our shoulder blades screwed back and together? Can we get our shoulder all the way back down and blow our elbow while keeping the elbow up and over the wrists in a good position without any kind of shaking and instability? Because again, that shaking is your muscles basically saying, hey, we are not ready to hold this position. Yeah. Um, so why would you wait a movement where every time you get down into a certain movement, you're going to experience some shaking? And that goes right to the point of you know squatting. How low are we squatting? Through a safe, stable range of motion. How low are we going to be pressing, ring dipping? Through a safe, usable range of motion. Um, Is that going to apply to the standards at the Games? Yes, but there are still going to be certain people who can meet those standards without necessarily being in a good position. Uh, A good example of that would be a pistol, a one-legged squat. So in a squat, we already know we want your foot flat, we want your knee out to the side, we want your torso upright. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now in a pistol squat, ankle mobility, dorsiflexion, the ability to get your knee over your toe or pull your toe towards your shin, uh, dorsiflexion is going to be really important. Some athletes have that dorsiflexion, others don't. But in a squat, we've already said we want our foot to stay nice and flat. But a way to get more dorsiflexion is to come up off your heel, thus bringing your knee further forward and end up on your toe. Is that a great position to be in? Absolutely not. The second you roll forward onto your toe like that, it's gonna put a ton of pressure on the front of your knee. Uh, the second you're on your toe, you're way less balanced. If that knee is wobbling in and out, that's the risk of a torn ACL or something like that. Um, but at the game standards, at the you know regional standards, all that you have to do is get your hip down below your knee. So some athletes are gonna slide up onto their toe every single time they do a pistol. Do they survive? Yes. Is it good for their knee? Probably not. Are they injured? We don't know. Everyone's got a little bit of a different body. Some people can totally take that. Some people are gonna tear their ACL right there in competition, that's just sort of how it goes. But in class, am I gonna let anybody do a pistol on their toe? Absolutely not. In class, yeah, it's all about sort of what your goals are from uh, from a standpoint like there, from a sports standpoint there. Um, so, so. Yeah, and what,
0: like if there were um, a couple of exercises that people should, what are, yeah, I guess like what are they the two or three exercises that people should choose to get perfect? It should be there. A lot of times our goals are like, Mm -hmm. I want to lift, I want to deadlift X amount of weight. I want to squat X amount. Yeah. But it feels like maybe there's some really simple body weight movements Mm -hmm. that like, I might be able to squat 300 pounds, but like, Maybe without that weight on my back, I can't get it in a proper position. Yeah. So, that would be like an air squat would be a good thing. What are <laughs> some other exercises that you think do will just like get perfect? Yeah. Have as a goal to get it perfect? Yeah.
1: Um, some of those nine foundational crossfit moves are going to help. Uh, the air squat, the push up, and the deadlift are a great place to start. And you look at that pressing, uh, pulling off the ground, the deadlift, and the squat. Mm-hmm pushing, pulling and squatting, pushing, pulling and sitting those are three things that again in our DNA as human beings that's really all that we're trying to be able to do. Um, Pushing, pulling and squatting. Pushing, pulling and squatting. Powerlifting—that is the sport of powerlifting. How much you can deadlift and pull up and off the ground, how much you can squat, weight on your back, how much you can press up and off your chest. Uh, powerlifting is a great place to start. It doesn't mean you need your goal needs to be, you know, deadlifting 800 pounds, squatting 800 pounds, benching 600 pounds. It just means that you want to deadlift with excellent form, you want to back squat with excellent form, you want to bench press with excellent form more usable in CrossFit would be a strict press and overhead press, being able to put your hands over your head.
0: Yeah. Um, over a, a push-up. Over a
1: push-up or a bench press, because I mean push-up and bench press, same thing, right? One's moving your body weight face down, one's moving barbell up and off your chest. From a fundamental standpoint, you're pulling your shoulder blades back and together, you're keeping your elbows in nice and close, you're getting your hands down and around your chest and you're moving weight. Um, powerlifting is a great place to start. Does it have to be in a powerlifting gym? No, but you should have a coach who knows, hey in a deadlift Trying to keep our feet flat, trying to keep our toes pointed straight forward, trying to keep our shoulder blades backing together, trying to keep that spine neutral. Trying to hinge in such a way that we are starting off using our legs and then finishing off using our hips rather than everybody who comes in and says, man, I thought deadlifting was just for your lower back and I thought you were just supposed to bend over and pull weight off the ground and bend over and use your lower back. No, you're not supposed to use your lower back to lift anything, you knuckleheads, like, that's why we need uh, that coach to sort of teach you how to deadlift properly Um, bench pressing right one of the favorite most favorite things to do for me in college <laughs> yeah yeah um and everyone wants to bench press uh and i bench pressed a lot and i hit this ceiling bench pressing and then i take a crossfit powerlifting specialty course and learn how to bench press from this guy aj roberts one of the uh what, who at one point was the world's strongest man um and revolutionized bench press and i find out i've been doing it wrong for the last six years in college four years in high school ten years of my life and what happens you know over the course of about three months of bench pressing properly you know my bench press skyrockets 50 pounds I'm like oh moving right is gonna make you stronger what a what a coincidence right there yeah right Um, so yeah and it does take you know you doing your research and you seeking out a a professional on on, to help you out with those things Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so really starting with that Pushing, and pulling, and squatting. Pushing, and pulling, squatting.
1: Yeah, learning how to do those things.
0: I like it. I think that's that's yeah, it's really important. Um, just mm-hmm. you can you can learn so much from getting a little bit of attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think people. I think a lot of coaches would really be interested in giving that attention to their clients. They just yeah. can't do it in a class setting.
1: Yeah. So, you know,
0: approaching a coach and asking for that is a great way to
1: go. Yeah. 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 Um. And it can be sort of intimidating in class, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be that guy who doesn't know anything but that's what you're paying for, right? We talked about that membership, you know, that two at this gym, 300 bucks a month that you're paying for. You're paying for a group class, but you're also paying for the expertise of that CrossFit coach. You're putting your trust in that coach who's going to not just run this class and make sure that you get warmed up and that you do your lifts in an orderly fashion and that you finish up class on the hour, but a coach who's going to warm you up based on the movements that you're going to be performing. For a coach who's going to tell you what to do Uh, from a real chiseled down standpoint and have you guys perform a bunch of those initial pre-reps so at least he has an idea of what he's looking at in class? Yeah. Um, who's gonna walk around and enforce those movement standards while you're doing that lifting, which is where the problems come because you you and I are lifting together in class, and oh Mike, that straight press looked great, dude. You got that. And coach is hopefully looking at that like, oh god, Mike, you know, go go back down to an empty barbell, dude. Um but yeah, I've I've had the experiences where you drop in at certain boxes, and coach says, "All right, you guys, you know, we're gonna go ahead and start class. Here's the workout for today. Um, you're doing this, this, and this. Uh, go ahead and get to it. I'll be walking around watching." And you're like, hmm. "Wait, what? I sort of know what I'm doing." And coach can you tell because you know the coach is going to set that tone for class he's either going to teach in class or he's just going to uh, sort of facilitate class and that's you know not a not an it is a bit of a knock on coaches but you you got to do your homework on coaches you should absolutely drop in and try out different stuff meet someone that you like who has some knowledge of what they're doing um, who's actually going to help you live properly use
0: as an early screen test of like is there a portion of class front where we're going to have some education because these Absolutely. are complex movements, Absolutely, so, so there's always something more. To
1: Absolutely. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, one of the funny things, you know, uh, people come in here like, Oh, Zach, you know, you're real fit, you know, you move real well you can, you know, you can lift a ton of weight. And then when I describe myself as a, Barely intermediate Olympic lifter, they're like, what? You know, how does how does that happen? I'm like, well, look, you know, I've been doing Olympic lifts for my last, you know, six years in CrossFit, but there are guys who have been Olympic lifting since I was playing soccer back when I learned to walk when I was four. They're probably a little bit better than I am. Um, and yeah, it should be this process of learning about the body because the fitness industry on the whole is pretty darn young. Um, the fitness industry on the whole, when I first started, at least even back in you know 2010. Personal training is sort of you know this little balance of a little bit of nutrition, a little bit of weightlifting, a little bit of cardio. Um, but this whole idea of fitness is you know do you have muscles? That's what you're trying to do is get muscles. I'm trying to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a pretty fit guy, right? He's pretty strong. Um, and it's you know what your definition of fitness is. Um, the fitness industry is is real real young. Personal trainer certificates, the first couple that I got are sort of. Hey, you know, this is how you do a bicep curl. This is how you use a leg press machine. This is how you use a Smith machine. This is how you bench press. Weight lifting is Fitness is weightlifting. Fitness, I don't know. Some people are focusing on being able to run a half marathon. Some people are focusing on, you know, backpacking to Mount Whitney. Some people are focusing on uh, being able to ski all winter long. You know, what is your definition of fitness? Um, in the fitness industry, you know, what do we look at? You know, back in the day for old school fitness, you got like step aerobics classes. Uh, yeah, Jazzercise. right. <laughs> Chaser size, um, and then came this guy with P90X and Insanity, hey we need this high intensity interval training. It's comboing up, strength building and conditioning. It's going to get you your faster results. So you can look like Arnold, but you can still do like 20 burpees in a row. Oh, so now you're changing the definition of fitness. Now it's not just about looking good, it's about feeling a little bit better too. Oh, Okay, so now we've got this newer notion of what fitness is and then CrossFit comes along, Hey, what's Let's put all that together and let's look at the diet a little bit and let's look at you know your movement standards a little bit not just being able to you know do a 30-minute workout class not just being able to lift a certain amount of weight not just being able to look a certain way but it is sort of this whole holistic lifestyle of what are you trying to be able to do and for a lot of people it's just Hey, you know, I'm about to have kids. I need to be able to keep up with that little guy. Yeah. Um, I need to be able to pick him up and put him in a car seat. And then when he wants to play baseball, I need to be able to throw that baseball. And then when he wants to start weightlifting, I need to be able to move all that stuff with him. It's sort of, you know, what are you trying to do from a longevity standpoint? And you,
0: that's. I mean, I think that's really interesting too, talking about that progression because CrossFit. You you don't hear people talk about how dangerous P ninety X is or how yeah. dangerous. Going to the gym, yeah. and like working on the, the you know the light like curl machine is. Yeah. Um, but you hear people talk about how dangerous CrossFit is. However, CrossFit is. I mean, I guess I'm biased. I'm part of it. Yeah. But it is the one place in fitness where I found. Oh, we're talking about strength. We're talking about conditioning. We're talking about mobility. We're talking about diet. Yeah. We're even talking about the mental game now. Yeah. Like we're kind of looking at the whole body, but it's still the one that people are like, oh, that's going to get you hurt. Yeah. So like where do you think that comes from or like
1: and that's just sort of tough that is tough yeah because you know what's going to be seen by CrossFit are you know the good and the bad YouTube videos Mm -hmm. you got your CrossFit fail videos or you got those reruns on ESPN of the CrossFit Games Mm -hmm. the CrossFit Games the top point zero 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 one percent of athletes CrossFit athletes worldwide I mean we're talking about these are Olympians these are I mean you take a population of a million people there is one CrossFit Games there are two CrossFit Games athletes in there I mean there are that is such a small portion of what CrossFit is Um, and I think CrossFit is doing a better job with their media team of sort of showing these commercials um, of you know what CrossFit actually strives for Mm -hmm. constantly varied high intensity functional movements what are functional movements functional movements are movements that require you to brace at the midline keep your hips and spine stable. And then go ahead and move weights once you have that stable spine and hip position. Um, functional movements, the study of what your body is capable of doing, that's sort of what CrossFit became for me. Um, is yes, I can squat, but am I squatting properly? Yes, I can get this barbell up and overhead. But am I doing it properly? Um, and it really should be your own study of your body because I get—I I came in as this specialized athlete, this runner, soccer player, with all of my movement inefficiencies and pre-existing injuries, and CrossFit sort of helped me, uh, you know, self-diagnose what was going on, and then I make changes based on that. You know, so very few people are lucky to come into the CrossFit game. Um, never having touched a plate in their life and having excellent full range of motion and they are a uh, an empty book ready to just have everything written in there and do everything perfect right from the start. Some people come in cross, into CrossFit, you know, suited a little bit better. A lot of the people who make it to the Games are <clears throat> ex-gymnasts or ex-Olympic lifters or ex-some type of college sports star. Um, but again, that is such a small portion of what you're going to see, you know, that games YouTube video of, wow, man, that looks pretty darn scary. Those guys are throwing weights around. Man, I just saw that YouTube video of the guy who threw that barbell over his head and dropped it on his head and fell all over the place and broke the camera and blah, blah, blah. you really—it's just—it should—I feel like they should study or focus more on the study of good movement patterns. Um, but it's the sport of fitness right now. For the media, for blowing up worldwide, it's the sport of fitness, and it's a new sport and. It's gonna help you uh, if you do CrossFit. You're gonna look like these guys on TV, and that's there. You know, everybody wants that visual aid. Uh, it's funny, you know, even at my level one certification, you know, why do people do CrossFit? It's to look good naked. I mean that's. Why? You're sort of right. You yeah, that's friggin' got me. <laughs> like, I saw a video of Rich Fronin. The dude looks like an action figure. Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like an action figure, but Rich Fronin looks like an action figure as well. Yeah. Who can throw a barbell over his head and run and swim and do muscle ups and all this other cool stuff. I want to be able to do the cool stuff and look like that. Um, so, yeah, they cut you right there down to the totally ego dope. and get you with that one. Um, <laughs> when. Uh, it's turned into, you know, it started off as, yeah, I want abs, I want pecs, I want biceps. Um, but for me at least, it quickly became. How much weight can I lift? How much weight can I lift safely? I want to be able to perform really good-looking snatches. I want to be able to f- perform really good-looking clean and jerks. I want to do those butterfly pull-ups and handstand walks that those gymnasts can do. Um, I want it all, and that's sort of that is what CrossFit tells you to do: is you you should want it all. Want the um, strength, Want that endurance. Want that form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Want that everything. Um, cross fitness. you know that's it really is in the name um, you can't you can't get distracted by what the media is putting out there even though you're going to get distracted you got you got to sort of go into it with this whole student aspect of you're going there to learn and that's that
0: gotcha. yeah. All right, guys. So that was the episode with Zach. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. Um, you can find out more about what Zach is doing on Instagram. Uh, he is at Uh, Z Seal, uh It's spelled Z-S-E-A-L-E. Um, you can also check out Flagship CrossFit at Flagship CrossFit on the internets. And you can find us at Dose Nutrition as well as Dose.Solutions. That's our URL. Um, If this show was valuable to you in any way and you enjoyed it, please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening, and we would love a review. Your feedback means a ton to us. Um, Yeah, guys, uh, go out there and be bold and have an awesome day.